Hey everybody, this is Reviewable. Or is it? <laughs> With Braden and Micah? Or are they? <laughs> Only time will tell. Okay, well what did we watch this week? This week, we're Mr. and Mrs. Current Events, because there are at least three things that we're going to talk about that are from this year. Isn't that fun? Fun little fun fact? Yeah. So the first thing we watched was Napoleon, which came out this year. Which came out just barely. Yeah. Um, do you have a summary you want to read, or do you want me to read my uh, prepared statement? Please. All right. Go ahead. Okay, Napoleon's life highlights, especially pertaining to his relationship with his wife Josephine and how their relationship affected his role and his luck as a military and political leader. That's your synopsis of it? Yeah, that's what I wrote down. Am I missing something important? It's pretty good, huh? Yeah, I think that was good. Cool. Round of applause. Thank you. Uh, do you want to talk about what you liked about it? Uh, no, you go first. Okay. Um, there were some things I liked about it. So, first of all, I thought the battle scenes were pretty good. Pretty cool. They're very brutal. They're not very glamorous at all. No, they're not. Um, but they're well shot. And they're effective because they're, they're like, almost sort of uncomfortable while you're watching them. Like, you kind of want it to end. But you're also, like, uh... You're captivated by it at the same time. So I thought I thought that was kind of kind of cool. Why were you captivated? Because it was a battle scene. Every battle scene's captivating. Okay. If it's done well, but also it was like brutal enough where I was like, oh man, I'm ready for this to be over. You know, mm-hmm. kind of. I liked that though. Um, the second thing I have written down here is the costumes. Costumes are really good. Um, the sets were really good. I thought that Egypt looked really, really cool. Yeah. When he was in Egypt, I thought what I assume is Versailles looked really cool. And then Waterloo as well looked the way I think it was supposed to feel very wet. <laughs> the score I liked a lot too. It was very classical. Is that the music? Yeah. Um, it was very classical. And there were times where they were playing this really classical score while violence was happening, so I thought it kind of juxtaposed it nicely. I guess maybe that's because, like, Napoleon didn't really care about what he, you know, the... People that were dying. Right. So, in his mind, this is all just some sort of, like, chess game. He doesn't really care who who he hurts. Um, There's a scene where he, like, fires cannons into a crowd of protesters in France. Do you remember this part? You might have you might have walked. Micah went to refill the popcorn at some point, yeah. So she might have missed this. But there's a part where he like fires cannons into a crowd of French citizens. Apparently, he really did that. Oh no, I did see that part. Yeah, but they're playing like the classical music while he's doing that. So I remember that moment. Um, I think I covered my eyes. Yeah, you probably did. Vanessa Kirby and Joaquin Phoenix are both really good, although Joaquin Phoenix is very broody the whole time. Don't you think it's because he had small man syndrome? Right. As Napoleon? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's Wait. what I liked about okay. it. Okay. That's my list. I, so did you think that this was a pretty movie? I thought it looked good. I didn't. Yeah. I think that the Egypt part was 
pretty. I just felt like it was very gray. Yeah. And like there's gray movies that like feel not gray, but this movie like, felt like gray. What? I'm thinking of like Phantom Thread. I feel like that's a very gray movie. I can't remember. I don't know. I just felt like it wasn't very pretty. So something There were parts, but now that I'm remembering, but I just felt like I walked out of the theater and I was like, that was kind of an ugly movie. I guess something that Ridley Scott has kind of been known for is he likes to do chiaroscuro, Mm -hmm. which means... I know what it means. Oh, you do? I took AP art history. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, what? I didn't... I only know that word because I speak Italian, so I like... Oh, okay. Well, you can still define it. Um... So it means like clear, chiaro, and then scuro is dark. So it's like contrasting very dark and very bright slash lighter colors, which I feel like that is this movie because Napoleon's outfits are colorful and the sky is dark or like the ornaments in the palace are colorful, but the sky is dark, whatever, right? Yeah. that That's kind of like the style of this. So, I don't think I wrote down anything that I liked. So, let's go through the things that I didn't like. Okay. Okay. So, I think that... Do you want to say harumph after everything? (laughs) I think the timeline for me was kind of confusing. Uh And throughout the movie, they put, like, a timestamp. But I, like, I don't know. I'm, like, still trying to process the fact that it's, like, the 1800s. Maybe I'm just an idiot, but I had a hard time keeping track of where we were in time yeah because i think during some of it it was very rapid fire this event this event this event yeah and then time would pass you're like the only reason i know the time has passed is because a baby is born yeah and that was confusing to me a rump i think that josephine i could be wrong on this Mm -hmm. i think she was technically unfaithful with more than one guy they made it seem like shown yeah and this is something you didn't like. Well, this is just I'm just reading down my list. Okay. So I, I'm I was confused by that because I thought that she was had numerous affairs. Okay. So a harumph to Josephine's infidelities. Yeah, for okay. her being a hoe. Nice. The accents were not very consistent, in my opinion, because they were French. The accents were French or the people were French? The people were French. Josephine and Napoleon were French. Yeah. But what's her face? The actress for Josephine. Uh Isn't she British? Yeah. I feel like she was talking in a British accent. She was. And he was talking in an American accent. he was. So, like... That was on purpose. Why? Because, like, like Death of Stalin, for example, the director didn't want any of them to pretend to do a Russian accent. He just wanted them to all keep their normal accents so that they could improv. And it also wouldn't distract from like the story being told. So that, I think that was a conscious choice that Ridley Scott made that he didn't want his leads doing a Russian act or a French accent. But like, I feel like they could have done it because they're both good enough actors that they could have. Or at least both be the same. Like both be American or both be British. So, harumph to the accents. Harumph to that. At some point, Napoleon becomes the first consort. Isn't that the right word? Is that what they call them? They're not called consuls. I can't remember. Or that, consul. Consuls or consort. I can't remember. 
And then all of a sudden, he's the emperor. Yeah. That was confusing to me. Was... Because they made it a big deal that they were five... What's the word? I'm just going to call it consorts because that's all I can Oh, remember. yeah. They're like little parliament. There was five or six. Yeah. And then they went down to three. Yep. They made it a huge deal, which yeah. like fair. That is a big deal. Because they were trying to control Out. the government. Yeah. Trying to control the government. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's the emperor. Yeah. Where was the big deal for that? Yeah. Nobody cared? It was also weird that they like referred to him as a king and he had a crown and and then, yeah, he had and a then, coronation. And then he was called the emperor after that and not the king. Like, I didn't understand that. And he crowned himself. That actually happened, by the way, in Damn, real life. Dude. Yeah. Anyway. That I'll... was so ballsy. Yeah. Wow, okay. Um, so harumph to harumph. confusing. To that being confusing. Kingness. So something else from this movie... Napoleon was exiled mm -hmm. and then comes back from exile yeah. and takes over the French army. Mm -hmm. I just felt like that was such a baller move. Oh, so you liked that. I liked that, I guess. But so, that wasn't like the movie that was history. So hip, I didn't really like the movie. So a hip hip hooray for Napoleon? <laughs> for coming back from exile and just winning over the French army. Because he was just such a legend or whatever. Apparently. Yeah. I thought that it was way too much history to try and cover in two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. So it starts in 1793, which was his first battle that he won. And it ends in 1821 when Napoleon died. So that's 28 years, which like if you're covering a normal person, you can probably boil their, their life effectively down into two hours and 40 minutes. If, it, if you're doing 28 years, but it's Napoleon we're talking about yeah. who commanded like 60 plus battles, became the emperor of France. It's just way too much to try and cover, especially while you're trying to focus on Josephine in the time that they had. Wait, you're 28. Do you think it would take two hours and 40 minutes to cover your whole life? The highlights? Yeah. Easily. You could easily do it in two hours But and do you think minutes. it would be like rushed or do you think... No. Okay, you'd... so you think that there would be filler? Yeah, you probably need, like... My my life is probably, like, uh, an episode of Justified. It's, like, 40 minutes. <laughs> That's all you need to cover the highlights. Interesting. Um, I feel like... I'm, I'm going to compare this to Oppenheimer, which came out this year, and then also to the Steve Jobs movie from 2015. Those are examples of, like, men who had very eventful lives, but those movies um, choose to like focus on specific things and they really work because they're not trying to tackle everything. You know what other movie kind of, uh, what was the Johnny walk the line? Yeah. How that covered a portion of his life. And then they just were like, and this is what happens later. Right. Yeah. It, it just also with Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't realize that that scar on his lip was, that's his face. Yeah. I th I was like, oh, interesting. Was Napoleon, oh, was Napoleon inbred? And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, I feel bad. So, sorry, Micah, so Micah just called Joaquin Phoenix inbred. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. A big harumph for, for uh, Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix's scar, apparently. No, I just. Micah is not scar friendly here. <laughs> no. 
Um, okay, so Napoleon is married to Josephine, and then they get divorced because yeah. she isn't giving him any kids. Uh-huh. And then he gets remarried, and it was kind of confusing in the movie because he's talking, Napoleon is talking to Alexander from Russia, mm-hmm. and is saying, I want to marry your sister. And then the next scene, right? It was the next scene. He's talking to someone else about how he's going to marry this other girl. From Austria. From Austria. And then all of a sudden, the next scene, he's married. And it's kind of unclear who he's married to. Yeah. We figure out later, I think, right? That he's married to the Austrian. Yeah. But it was just confusing to me. To me, it's the same problem. They're just going over too many things. Yeah. And it's they don't have enough time to make it clear what what's actually going yeah. on. Um, and that's the only time you see this wife. Yeah. Because uh, time passes and there's a baby. Yeah. You're like, okay, well, first of all, we don't even know who this girl is because she is a girl. And then there's a baby. Yeah. Never see the wife or the baby ever again. Right. In the movie. Um, apparently there's a four hour cut of this movie that's going to be coming, which like on one hand, I feel like that's going to make it a lot more even and a lot, a lot smoother to watch. Yeah. But on the other hand, I don't want to watch a four hour cut of this movie. No. I was like, it it feels like it wasn't enough time, but it's also too much time to be watching this movie for two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, the other thing. Without spoiling anything, I'll try to be as vague as I can with what I'm about to say, but there is a part in this movie that is early on where Josephine tells Napoleon that he is nothing without her. So they're they're codependent, basically. Yeah. And this movie seems to want to imply that he needed Josephine in order to be successful, but... I had to kind of like dig back into my memory to to remember that that was a theme of this movie because it's brought up only one time that I can think of. During after, that conversation? During that conversation and then only one time after. In one of the letters he writes to her while he's doing one of his conquests. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if that was meant to be like the theme that I think it was meant to be, they did a very poor job at at demonstrating that they that he needed her in order to be successful as a general because like it almost like thinking back to those two parts of the movie it made me think that maybe ridley scott's implying that there was like either either napoleon had like some psychological need to be with josephine otherwise he couldn't function as a commander or like it was some sort of supernatural connection that they had like she was all night's yeah, like she was almost his good luck charm and he needed her in order to be successful. Like that that's kind of the impression I got when I was thinking about it after I watched the movie, but I like that was not made clear at all mm-hmm. during the movie. If that's what they were going for, which like that's kind of the impression I got, especially with the very last scene of the movie, if you remember it like show, yeah. shows what his last words were. Yeah. I think that they didn't did they missed the mark by a mile with well, establishing that. Yeah, theme. and there's so many different because sure this movie is about Napoleon, but like mm-hmm. this movie is about Napoleon and Josephine's relationship, 
And there's so many different times that they could have made that more apparent. Yeah. Because I didn't get that impression. Right. Like, but it makes sense though, right? Yeah. Now that I'm like yeah. reminding you of those parts. So I guess uh, I'll, it, ha- I'll have to watch some interviews and see if it's, yeah. if he talks about it at all. But their relationship was super manipulative. Yeah. It's toxic. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. toxic. I know that's a buzzword now, but like that, that's the definition of a toxic yeah. relationship if you watch this movie. Well, and there's this part in the movie where they're at like a dinner party or something and Napoleon and Josephine are sitting across the table from each other and there's like four or six people in between them. Yeah. Uh, sitting across from each other and stuff. And in the middle of dinner, Napoleon picks a fight with Josephine. And they're just arguing back and forth. And then they start throwing things. How awkward would that be? Also, that scene specifically, there were probably like three scenes before that where they were just super lovey-dovey all the time. And like, you know, they seem like they're in a good place finally. Mm -hmm. And then it just flips and they start throwing stuff at each other. Yeah. That's another example of this movie just being all over the place with its like setup and its pacing. Yeah. 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 I just wrote down that this was an ugly movie. Yeah. You you, you covered that. I know. I just felt like I needed to say and I those exact it. words. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Not disproved. If you didn't like the way it looked, you didn't like the way it looked. So. Yeah. And like you said, I think that it was really in-depth in like... Not even really in-depth. I just think that they spent too long on certain things and then didn't cover so much that should have been covered. Yeah. Do you think uh, we're ready for our famous segment, Deets for the Streets, where we cover little fun facts and details? About the movie? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Okay. Ready? Are you ready? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So there are, of course, a lot of things that are not accurate about the way this movie is to the things that ha- that happened in real life. Um. I'm going to cover some of those and then also some of the things that were accurate. So the first thing I found was he did not actually abandon his post in Egypt when he found out Josephine was having an affair in the movie. He leaves Egypt and he gets in trouble with the five member parliament, whatever for desertion Mm -hmm. that didn't actually happen. So when he found out, he just sent a letter asking for a divorce. Yeah. So that's what really happened. Um, no one ever shot a hole through his hat at Waterloo. That was something that I mentioned to Micah and they show this part where he's like on a horse and a sniper takes a shot at him during the battle of Waterloo and the bullet just passes right through his hat. And it's like such a specific detail that they focus on. I was like, I wonder if that actually happened. Did not happen. That's a lie. <laughs> okay. Liar. Um, he really did dig up mummies in Egypt and he brought them back to France. Jeez, dude. Yeah. So that that did happen. His horse really did get exploded in the Battle of Toulon. Yeah, that happens in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. It's like the first battle, right? That's probably like the most graphic part of the movie too. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. Yeah. I think that's when I got up like almost right after and went and got more popcorn. Well, you watched the worst. So, <laughs> um, also, if you look up his height, it might tell you that he was 5'2, but the way that um, they measured height back then was different. So he was actually more like 5'6. 
yeah. which was the average for French men at the time. So, I did know that he was taller than, like, he wasn't actually that short. Yeah. I thought he was taller than 5'6". I thought he was, like, 5'8". No, Joaquin Phoenix is 5'8". Okay. Um, so he's he's actually pretty close to how tall Napoleon would okay. have been. Um, but that's it. That wraps up Deets for the Streets. <laughs> Okay. Do you want to do Parents Guide? Yeah. So this movie is violent. Yep. But it's not like it cuts to the violence all at once. Like you're in the middle of battle. You can, you know it's coming. You know it's coming. And so so you can, for me, I just looked away. Yeah. Um, But the sex does just cut to it sometimes. And it is, you are watching. Yep. Yeah. I I wrote pretty de-violent and pretty de-sexual. It's there's not rated R. a lot. There's not like any nudity. Well, there is some, like butts and stuff. But but they show like the act. Yeah, what, the act of because Napoleon keeps trying to get her pregnant. Yeah, because he needs an heir. So you know they show a lot of those scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, not for kids. No. Do you want to rate it? Yeah, I put. Four out of ten bastard children for science. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. (laughs) Oh, man. I've been waiting to tell this to Brayden for like three days. Yeah, that is really good. (laughs) Those bastard children for science. Don't you just hate them? They'll get you. Every every time. You gotta watch out for them. Bastard children of science. Bastard children for science. (laughs) Well, um... I thought this movie had some good stuff in it. We we spent most of this time just absolutely railing it, but I think that it has value, personally. And it made me curious to know more about his life. So I feel like, to some degree, it worked for me. But it's definitely not a masterpiece. I'm going to give it six cannonballs to the chest out of ten. Nice. So it's fresh. I would say it's fresh, but like, it's not the freshest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the show that we watched... Also from 2023. Yeah, we watched Beckham. The Basically just a docu-series about David Beckham Mm -hmm. and his soccer career and his life. Yeah. Is that a good synopsis? Uh, Yeah, not his whole life. Mostly just from when he got scouted. Um, as a young child until retirement until now basically oh yeah that's true and his life with posh spice yeah his football career and his personal life and his lover career yeah with his wife posh spice with posh spice his wife posh right (laughs) so i really liked this yeah it was really good very well done and my word, are they a hot couple? Yeah, but I feel like he's aged much better. He has, but she is still very good looking. Yeah. But yeah, he's... Ooh la la. <laughs> His tattoos. Yeah. Tell me why they actually look pretty hot. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, like he looks really good with tattoos. Yeah. But, but like there's a... Who was it that said it? It's one of his former teammates. I think it was Rio Ferdinand. So I'm a big soccer fan, by the way. Um, So I had read Beckham's autobiography when I was in middle school. He was one of my first players that I kind of latched onto when I started playing. When he played for the LA Galaxy? 
Yeah, at the time he played for the Galaxy, I think. Um, but Rio Ferdinand is like talking, and he's like, "I swear, they're they're tailoring his his jerseys that." They're doing something different with him because like the suits that they give us and the jerseys that they give us, they do not fit the same on us as they fit on, as they look on him. Like he looks really good no matter what. And we just look like a bunch of idiots. They said that in the show too. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing him, but he was like, but that's the quote sort of what he said. Um, yeah. David Beckham looks good no matter what he's wearing. Yeah. So in the show, they, you know, it's about David Beckham, but then once he meets Victoria, it's very, you know, they're very connected. It's obvious that they love each other. She gets pregnant, they get married. Yeah. They wore purple. Yeah. At their wedding. Yeah. It's like, why did they wear purple? I didn't love it. So is this a dislike? Is this a harumph? A dislike. So you're harumphing a historical detail. Mm. You, you can't judge the documentary on that. No, I'm not. Okay. I'm just sick. That's my personal opinion. All right. But also, so uh, David plays for, who is it, Manchester United? Yeah. For forever. Yeah. Um, From like 15 to, I don't know, almost 30. When did he retire? I think he said he moved uh, to Madrid when he was like 27. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't know that for a fact, though. He was 38. When he Uh, retired? Yeah, it's really old. Yeah. Okay, so he played for Manchester United for a really long time. And then goes to Madrid. Yep. Plays there. And then goes to... Los Angeles? LA. Plays there. And... A little bit of time at at Milan. Yeah, when he's in... When he plays for LA, they... What is it? They... uh, Loan him. Yeah, they loan him. Yeah. To Milan. And then he finishes at Paris. He gets sold to madrid and victoria they have two kids and victoria has to stay in england to be with the kids to finish out the school year so david moves to madrid i'm assuming in the middle of the school year because victoria has to stay in england with the kids so that they can finish out the school year and she can find a school in spain for the kids to go to when she goes and so she's spending the weeks like the weekdays in England with the kids. And then they fly out on the weekends to spend time with David and Victoria gets so much hate during this time because apparently she hates Spain and it smells like garlic. Yeah. And like during the documentary or the docuseries, Victoria's like, I never said that. Like that's not true. Yeah. And we talked about this, that we just feel like Victoria kind of gets a lot of hate for no reason. I wonder if it's just because she's married to an attractive footballer and people are jealous. Maybe. I, I kind of took this as the Spanish are very proud of where they're from. And the idea that Victoria was not having a good time in Spain was really offensive to them. And so people were just mad at her. That's so dumb. So they have a really hard time there. Right. Yeah. It sounded like it was... It seemed like David loved his team. Like, that was one of his favorite teams he played for because he was great friends with... Some of those players. Yeah, like Roberto Carlos, they mentioned specifically. He was great friends with. That was kind of a fun moment in the documentary. One of them was like, Roberto Carlos is from Brazil, and he speaks 
Portuguese and Spanish. And David Beckham is from England and he speaks English. And somehow these two are having dinner together for two hours, just laughing the whole way through. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know how they did it. <laughs> but like they were, they were really good friends. It just seems like David is like the kind of person you could get along with. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's one of the things I liked about this, about this, uh, docu docuseries is they really humanize these iconic people in posh spice and david beckham yeah and make and like show who they really are mm -hmm. you know we're like hopefully maybe i don't know maybe they're complete ghouls behind the scene i feel like they would be people that we could be friends with right yeah they because like with the jordan documentary i watched it and i was like it'd probably be cool to like spend an evening with michael jordan but friends i don't know Except for Scotty Pippen. Scotty Pippen for sure friends. Yeah, yeah. For sure friends. Um, but these guys for sure friends. Yeah. You know? They would yeah. love us for sure. Oh. They'd be huge fans of us. Yeah. Probably already are. Um, so I wonder if like if you're a uh, professional athlete mm -hmm. that like you can be traded or let go and like moving all the time. I wonder if it's kind of like when your family's in the military. Like obviously it's not the same. Because these pro athletes aren't going to war and all of that. But, like, with them having to move, do you think that's kind of the same? And, like, the family's life kind of revolves around the there's, professional athletes. There's one career? major There's one major difference. What? Cha-ching. That, okay, that's the major difference? Lots of money. But do you understand what I'm saying? And you get to play your sport for... Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That, like, the family's life revolves around the career I'm sure, yeah, it totally does for okay. for however long the career is, I guess. But it's different now because it doesn't work the way that Major League Baseball or basketball or football works where teams can just trade players like that. Um, now, in European soccer, you have to agree with the club that you're trying to buy the player from. You have to agree to a transfer fee. Usually, unless they run out of contract, which isn't very common. There's not a lot of like free agent transfers that happen nowadays. Um, so you have to agree to a transfer fee and then you have to meet with the agent of the player and figure out a contract that they will agree to. So it's not like the club agrees and you're gone. Because that's what happened to David Beckham. That's basically what happened. Yeah, I think I think it was different back then. Um, so now they would have had to agree with manchester united and then they would have had to agree personal terms with david which maybe that is how it was because i know that alex ferguson was having problems like their relationship was strained by that, that. Was the manager yeah by that point it was strained so maybe david knew that if he didn't go he was never going to get playtime. but the way that he made it sound in the documentary they called him and he was like yeah you're going to barcelona yeah and then he was like well no if i'm gonna go i'm going to madrid and that's how he ended up going to Madrid. But that's probably how it is, though, like to some degree, because Victoria was from London, but David was in Manchester. And if Victoria was anyone other than who she was, like she would have had to probably go to Manchester if she wanted to be with David. So. Yeah, I just think that would be really hard. Yeah. And it, it, they made it seem like in the docuseries that David was making all of these decisions for their family which like for his career you know they move to LA and then he gets loaned out to Milan 
And like Victoria's like, and then he was gone. Yeah. We just moved here. I yeah. just furnished the house. And then he comes back. And then I don't know. I just think that would I would be frustrated. Right. <laughs> that yeah. would be hard. Honestly, she gets a lot of hate that she doesn't deserve. She seems like a very loyal, yeah, good mom, good wife. Obviously was a big star as well. So she gets a lot of hate she doesn't deserve. Yeah. Well, and... Unlike that Kim Kardashian. Oh, my goodness. No, I'm just kidding. Pardon. Kind of. How dare you talk about our... Were, were you about to say our Lord and Savior? <laughs> yeah, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> Don't you dare call her our Lord and Savior. Our Lord and Savior is en- Enya. Oh, yes. Enya. Praise. We'll insert a little Enya right here for your <laughs> listening pleasure. They do seem like normal people, and that, like, throughout the whole documentary, and, like, she's Posh Spice, and he's David Beckham, and they, he misses the birth of their, one of their kids, because he has a photo shoot. With Beyonce and Jennifer Lopez. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, like, but then, like, the whole time, it's like, we're just swimming, and we're dropping off our kids at school, and we're going swimming, and then when they move to L.A., Tom Cruise throws them this huge party. Right. With Stevie Wonder playing piano there. Yeah. And, yeah. Like all the famous Jim people. Jim Carrey shows up. Yeah. They're, yeah. It's just like, they're not normal people. They are celebrities. Yeah. Big ones too. Yeah. Like, I think people, people know the name Beckham, but I don't think people realize like that are growing up today, like how big he was. Yeah. He was huge. I don't even think I really knew until this yeah. series. One of, he he is one of the most famous athletes really ever. Him and Michael Jordan. Because he's known internationally by like by so many people. What did you think of how they talked about the affair? They didn't really admit that it happened. So, but like they also didn't deny it, which makes me think that it probably did happen. It did happen. Okay, so. I mean, I mean, they focused on like how Victoria and David dealt with it, I guess, more than talking about the details of the affair yeah. itself. It felt not brushed over, but also not really fully it, addressed straight on. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that was a little disappointing. Yeah. Same. But the other thing that I thought I would just jot down here is this felt a little bit slow in the beginning, but by like episode three i was totally in there's only four episodes there's only four okay so halfway through ish it's like two hours like i was always in like it was always interesting but like it was you know it just builds it gets more interesting as time goes on which i guess makes sense because like the beginning of his career was just him being a kid and growing up and having money well really and then he meets posh and things really pick up because There's a whole other person to think of. Yeah, there there's a lot of good footage of his of his uh, playing career. There's a lot of really interesting interviews also with people that I grew up watching play and like Landon Donovan, for example. He was who he, he played with on the LA Galaxy. Yeah, he's America's best player for a really long time that we ever produced. Um, one of my first ever jerseys was. Landon Donovan so like I was excited to see him on there I thought that his interviews were really interesting because him and David like had issues back back when he left for Milan I never knew that and they really illustrate like how professional David is and was and also Landon because like Landon 
went to the press and complained about David publicly. And then in his interview, he said like... His interview for this show. Yeah. He said he went to David and he's like, David, I meant what I said and that's what I think. But I should have never said that publicly. Yeah. That was a huge mistake. And like, he talks about David sitting across from him, basically forgiving him. And Landon was like... Immediately. Yeah. And Landon was like, if I, if that had been me in his position, I would have said, F you. And got up and left. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, big props to like, to Landon Donovan for being honest about himself. Yeah. And owning his mistakes. I also thought the interviews with Fabio Capello were really interesting. The coach of Madrid that benches him, the like strict Italian guy that comes in to sort of steady the ship. Yeah. I really liked those because it was like he was being unreasonable by benching him and then coach was yeah and then he decides to you know come around and start letting david play again and well that was really sad because they benched him and then he wasn't even allowed to practice with the team yeah he wasn't even allowed to suit up and sit on the bench yeah just draconian like really harsh and madrid were not doing well that season and then when he came back they started clicking yeah. And they ended up winning the league. Yeah. Which I'm I'm glad for him. I hate I freaking hate Real Madrid. But I'm glad for <laughs> David Beckham. Yeah. What did you think about David leaving and going to play soccer in the States? I don't want to say shouldn't, because he won the Champions League with Manchester United. He's won a lot of stuff. Like he had a very successful career. He could have continued playing at the highest level for I don't know, a couple more years at least, if he'd stayed in Europe. Because he moved to the United States, he gained a bigger fan base here. He eventually got to set up a club in Miami, which is, I don't know, like a big part of his brand now. Yeah. So, and and also like for his family, it was the right decision. I think that he made the choice for his family. I think the, so. It seemed like it. You sure it wasn't for the $250 million that he was getting paid? Well, because I think he would have... Because, like, look what happened when he was getting paid that salary and then he kind of risked it trying to move to Milan because he wanted to play for England again. Yeah. So I think I think that he did make that move for his family because it was just too strained living in Madrid with yeah. everything that had happened. And I, I thought this was really good. And the only thing that I that I would dock it for is being a little bit slow in the beginning and not going into the affair as much as I would have appreciated them to do. What would you rate it? Or is there any parents guide? I mean, there's language. Yeah. Other than that though, it's totally clean. Yeah. I do have a fun fact slash random note, our famous segment on the streets. No, our famous segment. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, sorry. Our famous segment, fun facts slash random notes. (laughs) Um, Braden's first soccer Jersey was a David Beckham LA Galaxy jersey. I thought it was the Landon Donovan jersey, but then I thought about it a little harder. I realized it was actually the LA Galaxy jersey. But then jersey. you got good. You remembered the truth. Yeah. Um, and I actually got to see him play with Landon Donovan while they were both at LA Galaxy when I was little. Mm. So that's cool. And this concludes... Wait, you saw David Beckham play? Yeah. Whoa. And like you could tell every time he touched the ball, like oh, this is the best player on the field right now. Because his touch was just, like, perfect. And, like, the long balls that he would play were just perfect. Crazy. Always in the stride of whoever he was trying to pass it to. Yeah, that was cool. 
And this concludes Fun Facts slash Random Notes, our famous segment. What would you rate this show? Uh, I'm going to give it nine stupid red cards out of ten. Oh, good one. Okay. I'm going to rate this an eight and a half. Okay. Just because this isn't totally my thing. It was fun. I liked it. But eight and a half DB's sticky stuff out of ten. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, you can't see, but I made a puzzled expression at first, but then it dawned on me what she is referring to. Bing! Yeah. That was a light bulb. And then my puzzled expression transformed into a reassuring smile. <laughs> and then what happened? And now we're here. Oh, welcome everybody to yeah. the present. Okay. You, didn't, you didn't read a book, right? No. Okay, so this is all me. What'd you read? Boy? I read a book. Yeah. Micah, you didn't read a book? I'm reading. Do you I even know how book. to read? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second book I've read ever, remember? Woo-hoo. Death in Florence was the first book I ever read. Who's your first grade teacher? We should call her and tell her congrats. First grade. grade teacher. Isn't that right around when you learn how to read? Sheesh, I don't even remember her name. Anyways. Must not have left an impression. Must have been a bad teacher. Nice going, lady. Sorry if you're reading this, my first grade teacher. Um, so I read True Grit, which is a 1968 novel by Charles, Charles Portis. Charles? Charles. Oh. Yeah. All right. I'll read the summary, which I've prepared. When the cowardly Tom Cheney kills his employer for standing in the way of his drunken rage, 14-year-old Maddie Ross enlists the help of two law enforcement officers and pursues Cheney into the dangerous Indian territory of Arkansas during the winter in the 1870s. In the winter. That's right. That's an important note, I guess. It's not super important, the fact that it's in the winter. It kind of is, though. I don't know. Anyway, what did I like about this book? It is incredibly charming writing. It's impossible not to chuckle at the interaction between the three main characters. So the three main characters are Maddie Ross, who is the narrator, and then the U.S. Marshal, Rooster. His name's Rooster Cogburn. And then along the way, they pick up a Texas Ranger named LaBeef. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's his last name. So is this you the whole time? <laughs> You said it was impossible not, not to, to chuckle. chuckle. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> Sometimes I'd go, huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, beef. How is it L apostrophe beef? No. It's like a French name. Spelled oh. le boeuf. Oh, okay. They say that a bunch of times in the book. Spelled le boeuf. <laughs> like they have like some kind of contempt for the fact that he has a French last name. <laughs> um it's, it's like super charming writing. I really enjoyed the dialogue. Um, Maddie is a wonderfully flawed character. She has a stubbornness and an intelligence that's really hard not to just like. There's no 14-year-old in the world like how she's written because she's just like so independent and so smart for her age. So her intelligence gets her far, but it also works to her detriment at times and gets her into trouble. And that is how you write a strong, balanced character. Take notes, everybody. Read True Grit. Read the way that Maddie's written. I'm writing it down. Good. Keep writing. That wasn't enough. Sorry. Thank you. Okay. That okay. Was um, read True Grit. Pay attention to how Maddie's written. 
that's how you do a strong character that's balanced, that has flaws, but has strengths. Really, really good. Okay. And that you still care about. Yes. I want. That's how you do it. To do well. Um, and then Rooster, I think, is an even better flawed character. He's kind Who's of... Who's he again? He's the U.S. Marshal. Okay. So he's he's what this book is named after. So Maddie um, is trying to find someone to go after Tom Chaney because no one, no one is going after him. And so she asks somebody who the, the best marshal is, the best U.S. marshal, because when he goes to the Indian Territory, that's who has Native jurisdiction. American. That's who has jurisdiction. And... Is the U.S. marshal. Yeah, and the the man tells her that Rooster is the one with the most grit. Like, he shoots the most people. He's the toughest. He's the meanest. And she's like... And then he says, like, and then so-and-so is the best tracker. It's really something to watch him. And then so-and-so is the fairest. He always brings people in alive. I'd say he's probably the best they have. And she's like, so where can I find the one with the with the grit? <laughs> she's like, I, I want the guy that's like, he's either going to bring him in alive or he's going to kill him. That That's what I want. Um, so he is, he's rough, he's violent, but he, in his core, he's a good man. And he seems over the hill and he seems, the stories he tells seem like there's no way they can be true. But by the end of the book, he gets to show his qualities and it's awesome. It's a, it's a great payoff. And Labeef is the same way. He's this like cocky, puffed up Texas Ranger who's super proud to be from Texas. Apparently that's always been a thing. <laughs> um, and, and like Rooster and Maddie are, they're kind of sick of him talking about Texas throughout the book. But Aren't he, we all? Yeah. For Sorry. Real. For real. You Texans. But he gets to show his qualities as well by the end. So like by the end of the book, I loved all three of those characters. And it's just a simple tale that's told with a lot of nuance and depth to its characters that most novels just can't compare with the depth that these characters have. So I really, really liked it. Um, the only thing that I would say, and I'm really nitpicking here, is there is a movie, there are two movies of True Grit. One was made in the 60s, I think, and John Wayne is Rooster. The second one was made, I think, in 2013 or 14, and it's Jeff Bridges as Rooster, so the, the dude. I oh. am to kill you, yeah. man, in um, one minute. And Matt Damon is Labeef, and... Oh. Maddie Ross is Haley Steinfeld. And that movie, is, I'm going to talk about that movie in a separate video. But um, I feel like some of the lines that I absolutely love from this story are delivered uh, way better in the movie than the narrator did for this version of the audiobook. But that's like not, that's not a fault of the book at all. It's just a fault of the recording. Mm -hmm. the recording performance moving on to our most famous segment details for those who work in retail so if in, if you don't oh, work I in retail just turn this podcast off right now and then join back later this is for all you retail people out there it's my so, favorite segment so this uh book was actually re released as a serial so like parts of it would come out every so often every week every month i don't know um which may sound kind of lame, kind of makes it sound like a comic book instead of a novel. But 
you must remember that many books were released like that back in the day. Really? Including A Tale of Two Cities. Fun fact, uh, Roald Dahl, the guy that wrote uh, Charlie and the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Is it Charlie, the book? Um, And the BFG, the the Witches, yeah, James and the Giant Peach, all those great classic books. This is what he said about this book. I was going to say it was the best novel to come my way since... Then I stopped. Since what? What book has given me greater pleasure in the last five years or the last 20? So that's what Roald Dahl said about it. Jeez, dude. Even his own books? Yep. He loved it. He loved wow. True Grit. So this also used to be taught in American literature classes as a classic novel. I don't know why it's not anymore. But like this is this is a really quality, really good book. And then the last little fun fact I have. So a dog fall refers to an even matchup between two parties so like a tie and that concludes our famous segment details for those who work in retail (laughs) um all right i'll go through this last part quick parents guide it's suitable for any age there's violence but it's not graphic and then rating i'm going to give it nine and a half fill your hands out of ten that's it wait why nine and a half though so just because of the audio recording like the the lines that I was getting excited for to hear, they didn't hit with like the same, they didn't they didn't hit different like the movie does. Mm. Yeah, so not not the book's fault. I'll probably read it again, paper, and give it a ten out of ten at some point in my life. But because you'll be the narrator, then I'll narrate. I'll do it right. I aim to kill you in one minute, Ned. <laughs> That's it though. Moving on to separate stuff, I said. Okay, so I watched the movie I, Tanya. I said, I said, I said, you're pissing too darn loud, boy. You're pissing slapping the edge of the bowl and it's too loud. You need to piss quieter, son. Oh my goodness. Okay, so this is like a dramatized documentary? Yeah. Is that the right? Uh, no, this is a biopic. What's the difference? It's not a documentary because it's not real footage, so it's like dramatized version of tanya harding's oh, okay. life so what's it called biopic biopic like biographical oh, okay yeah okay so this was a biopic about who about tanya harding who famously is the daughter of 29th president warren g harding that is incorrect okay I so believe. then perhaps she is actually the sister of anita harding british neurologist she is an only child except for a half-sibling. Okay, perhaps she has a cousin named Ostie Harding who was an ice hockey player. That could be true. I just have a list of famous people named Harding <laughs> up here. Okay, so if you don't know who Tanya Harding is, she was a figure skater in the 80s. And she was accused of assault? I'll get to that in a minute. So basically... This biopic goes through the life of Tanya Hart. She is a little girl and wants to try figure skating and her parents don't have any money. So her mom brings her to the skating rink and tells the instructor, you will teach my daughter how to skate. Mm -hmm. And the teacher's like, I don't teach uh, students this young because she's like three or four. He says, I don't teach broke ass bitches. That's right. Except it was a woman. Oh, so he didn't say that. She didn't say that. Wait. The oh, the, oh, the teacher was a woman. Yeah. Okay. So say it like a woman. 
Uh, no, too late. I don't teach. <laughs> like that? Yeah. And somehow they make it work. And Tanya is like four years old and she's beating six or eight years old. Broke eight ass years. bitches. Oh my that, that, that pause was authentic too. That's how long her pause was in real life. Okay, so Tanya is four years old and skating against six or eight years, eight year olds, and she's winning in these uh, figure skating competitions. And then at some point, she drops out of school because she has to skate all day long. Her family is kind of like white trash, it seems like. And Tanya, uh, her mom. What it shows in the movie is that it's not a very stable home life. At some point, her dad leaves, and she's super upset. Like, why would you leave me here with her? Like, the mom. The mom doesn't like Tanya. The mom, I don't... It's kind of like that, just the cycle of poverty, and, like, yeah. oftentimes there's mental health issues or yeah. whatever. Or, like, they like the cycle of abuse. Yeah. Plus, it's hard to be a broke-ass bitch. Yeah. Yeah. True. We know. We do know. We yeah. were them broke-ass bitches. For sure. <laughs> okay, and so the mom is abusive to Tanya. How? Like? Verbally and physically. Okay. Like, if Tanya talks back, she gets hit. At some point, they're in the changing room after a competition or before... They're in the changing room and a mom from the skating team or from the, where, what, a mom of one of the students walks by and sees Tanya's mom hitting her with a hairbrush. Mm. And the mom is like, just yelling at Tanya. And then like the random lady is like, <gasps> why would you do that? Whatever. I don't know that that's proven that that was true, but basically she didn't have a stable upbringing and abuse was very common in her life and so eventually she meets this guy and his name is this is sebastian stan yeah that's the actor and his name is jeff and they get married oh also margot robbie plays tanya yeah i knew that she looks so different i didn't even recognize her at first um so she gets married she meets jeff they're like teenagers or something and then they get married and he's abusive, hits her, and she grew up in an abusive household, and so she'll hit him back. Yeah. And, but I think for a lot of it, she was really scared of him. Because, like, at certain points, she, like, keeps trying to leave. And I think there's, like, this saying of abusive relationships that it takes usually, like, a minimum. Or it oftentimes takes people seven attempts at leaving before it finally sticks. Mm. Which is a lot when you're scared for your life. And at some point during their relationship, he shoots a gun at her towards her. And it ricochet the bullet ricochets off the asphalt and a piece of asphalt comes up and hits her in the face. And he like drags her into the car to take her to the hospital and they get pulled over and her face is bleeding. They kind of show this in the movie. And they get pulled over and the cops take his gun. And don't do anything. They don't arrest him. They don't say anything. In the movie, at least, they don't say anything about her face bleeding. Did he not? Was it not explained what happened? I don't know. To them? In the movie, it wasn't. But I think I read something later that said the cops didn't do anything. Like, if 
someone got pulled over for erratic driving and mm-hmm. the passenger had a bleeding head. Yeah. I feel like that's something that should be talked about right. by the officer. Okay, so she gets married and her relationship is super toxic and she's doing very well in ice skating or figure skating, but she keeps not winning and the judges say it's because she's white trash, basically. Mm-hmm. And Tanya gets upset because she can't afford these $5,000 outfits. $5,000? $5,000 in the 80s. Jeez, what is she buying from Gucci? That's what they cost. Sheesh. What and is- so she's making them herself most of the time. And they're knocking her down on points because she's white trash. Even though this is a- she should have been winning. Off of skill. Yeah, she had skills. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. <laughs> And she becomes friends with Nancy Kerrigan, who is the woman who was assaulted. And so it's allegedly that... The woman who was assaulted? Yeah. Wait, wait. Her leg got broken. Oh. Oh. Who did that again? Tanya. Oh. All right. Okay. So... Yeah, I knew, I knew Tanya was famous for some kind of nasty reason, uh-huh. but I couldn't remember what it yeah. was. And so Nancy Kerrigan was supposedly her kind of friend. They might have just been seeing each other at these competitions throughout the years and been They were just work associates. Yeah. Yeah. And at some point, Nancy Kerrigan gets assaulted. Somebody breaks her leg. Yeah. And I don't know how true all of this is, obviously, because it was... I don't think Tanya Harding is the most honest of people. Whatever. And... The FBI finds in Tanya's trash a her Tanya's handwriting where and when Nancy Kerrigan trains. And so people think she put this hit, quote unquote, yeah. hit out on Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah. Or she was involved in it. Um, uh, I just came up with a new scale, by the way. I don't know what this scale applies to, but the bottom end is the hit that Tanya ordered on Nancy Kerrigan. And the top end is the hit that Patrizia Gucci ordered on her husband. <laughs> That's a good skill. Yeah, anyway. I think what happened is, it was kind of ambiguous in the movie, if Tanya actually knew. In the movie, they make it seem as though Jeff, her husband, and Jeff's friend, Sean, who's played by Paul Walter Hauser, he's from stuff. Look him up. But it, they made it seem like Jeff and Sean were in on this. And Sean basically talked Jeff into paying for somebody to go scare Nancy. Mm. And it turned into, it ruined Nancy's career. And so, Na- uh, what's her face? Um, Tanya gets indicted. Is that the right word? Tanya yeah. goes to court over this. And is told she is never allowed to figure skate ever again. Yeah. And Tanya is like, like, let me go to jail. I Let me go to prison for 18 months. Like the other people that, like the guys who actually assaulted Nancy. But don't take away figure skating because that is literally the only thing I have in my life. She's like, this is a life sentence. And you're just letting the people who actually assaulted her go to prison for 18 months yeah but she orchestrated it allegedly okay but she probably allegedly i know yeah okay you know what i don't have i know she came from a horrible background yeah 
that sentence is totally fair. You think so? Yes. She okay. should never be allowed anywhere near other competitors if she's willing to do stuff like that. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, something that was annoying is uh, Tanya never takes accountability for anything. It's always somebody else's fault. Yeah. And so that, you know, it wasn't her fault that Nancy got assaulted because she wasn't in on it, quote unquote. It was Sean's fault or it was so-and-so's fault. So, yeah. Um, I think I would probably rate this a seven pee your pants on the ice out of ten. Does she pee her pants on the ice? You have to watch the movie. Yeah, okay. I know she does. That wouldn't be in your that wouldn't be your rating if it didn't happen. Um, I really like Margot Robbie though. She does a really good job. Yeah. I didn't even recognize her at first because of, you know, in the eighties women's hair were so poofy mm-hmm. curly. And she has braces for a lot of it. But it, she it, does a great job. It do be was poofy. It do be was. Yeah, that's true. Do you have any fun facts? Yeah. Uh, what should we call it this time? Our famous segment, Facts. I can't think of a rhyme for facts. Facts with axe on the ice. Okay. Our famous segment. Famous segment. Tanya Harding's mom tried to get a recording of Tanya admitting that she put the hit on Nancy. This really, really happened. They, she put a little recorder in her pocket. And tried to have Tanya admit to it. Wow. Um, and then the guy who assaulted Nancy, they in the movie they have footage of him in the parking lot staking out where she works out at the rink. And in the movie they have him moving his car every 15 minutes so that it's not suspicious. And that did happen, but it was actually for 30 minutes. Oh, okay. So, big that, difference. That's an inaccuracy. I just, I can't abide. I will not be watching this. Mm-hmm. What a weird change. Why does that make a difference? 15 versus 30 minutes? I don't know. Huh. Yeah. Okay. In the movie, Tanya's half-brother sexually assaults her. Okay. It's actually way worse in real life than what happens. Uh, in the movie, it's just like a little boob grab. And like he like was actually trying to... The R word. Uh, or, yeah. Maybe not as extreme as the R word, but on its way to it. Sheesh. Yeah. So, oh, parents' guide on this is there's a lot of language. Okay. There's not really any violence. There's some leg breaking. There's some leg breaking, but that's it. You know, I don't know that you really see Nancy Kerrigan's leg actually get broken. But, I mean, what honest Christian family doesn't watch a little bit of leg breaking every every once in a while? Exactly. Yeah. I don't think there's any sex Okay. Or there might be some, just because when Tanya meets her husband, she's like a, in her late teens. Okay. And I don't know, it's not much. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. What'd you watch? Okay. Uh, I watched Invincible Season 2, Part 1. Mr. Current Events over here striking <laughs> again, because this came out in 2023. Um, by the way, spoilers for Season 1, but... Honestly, I don't know what you expect. If I'm going to talk about season two, I'm going to talk about the season, the stuff that happened in season one a little bit. Or at least I'm going to assume that you know what happens at the end of season one. Get good, listeners. He's going to talk about season one. Okay, here we go. This is what I wrote. And uh, it's going to sound less professional than the other synopsis because I was tired of writing synopses by this point. 
A guy in a suit with powers fights the big crimes. His dad is an imperialist maniac, but decided to f*** off at the end of the first season. Brayden, after... you cannot say that. Back up. Why? You can't say... I. I'm not going to bleep that out. I... Oh. All right. Just say F off. Go back. <clears throat> a guy with a suit... Whoops. A guy in a suit with powers fights the big crimes. His dad is an imperialist maniac, but decided to F off at the end of the first season after beating Mark, who is the guy with the suit, to a bloody pulp. The guy's name, who is our hero... Oh, there we go. Is Mark Grayson. And now he has to deal with the fallout of his dad bodying him. Also mixed in is some familial drama with him and his mom and some teenage drama with him and his absolute wet rag of a girlfriend, Amber. <laughs> we love a wet rag. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, for those of you that watched season one, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I call Amber a wet rag. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, I'll just explain it really quick. Basically, Amber is very upset with Mark throughout the season because he doesn't have time for her. And she's upset that he is never making it to their dates on time and whatever. She doesn't feel prioritized, which makes sense and is fair. But then you find out that she figured out he was invincible, like, which is his superhero name. Is this by the a way. spoiler? Yeah, for season one. Oh, okay. But I already explained okay. my feelings about okay, this. Okay, okay. So. Amber figured out that Mark was invincible months ago. Like okay, at so the beginning of season one, basically. Yeah. So what are you complaining about, Amber? You know he's out there saving lives. You know he's out there getting his ass kicked, like almost to death every time he loses a fight. Don't make this about you. You're such a wet rag, Amber. Brandon, how dare you? So, she just wants to spend time with him. So that's why she's a wet rag. Thankfully, she they decided to walk her character back a little bit in season two, so she's not as obnoxious. You know, you still remember, like, and they and they try to make her perfect. Also, that Ugh. was part of the thing that I didn't like about season one is like, Ooh. yeah, she's like a perfect student. She can, you know, a a bully or like some some dude is like being aggressive towards her. And she, like, Mark sticks up for her and gets beat up. She's like, I could have handled that myself or whatever. Oh, my goodness. And then um, she volunteers at a homeless shelter in her free time. And that's where all of her free time is spent. Her plans for the summer are, like, totally, like, all humanitarian stuff. So when are they even supposed to hang out? It's like, they just try to make her too perfect. I don't like her. I think she's a lame character. All right, what did I like about this season two, part one? It's still a fun show. The animation is still cool. It's it's just a fun little story. Mark is still really likable. There's a character named Alan the alien. <laughs> He's really cool. He's a little one-eyed alien dude that's voiced by Seth Rogen. I like him a lot. Um, there's also a Martian character that is impersonating a human. And he doesn't understand how humans operate. So it's just like fun to like watch him try to assimilate into human culture. He has no idea what he's doing. So he says things he thinks that humans say. And like he gets on the treadmill and he just starts marching in place because he doesn't understand that he has to turn it on. So he, he was fun. I really liked him. All right. What did I not like about this part one of season two? 
I don't like the fact that it's a part one of season two. I think that's super annoying. Just sack up and give the people what they want, I wrote. Yeah. Well, and it's so annoying because you already have to wait in between seasons. Yeah. Why make us wait it's in been... between the season that we've already been waiting for? Yeah. It, it's so annoying. Yeah. It, and it's been like a year since the first season came out. So, like, if you were counting down the days to this, which, like, thankfully I wasn't that invested in it. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have been really upsetting to me. But I just don't like when they split things into two parts like that. Um, that's just me. Also, so they're in the first season there. It's, it's like very clearly based on the justice league. So Mark's dad is Superman, but his name yeah. is Omni man. Um, and then there's a Batman and then there's, there's an Aquaman. There's a, um, Martian Manhunter, which is a character from justice league who can mm-hmm. shapeshift, which is the Martian. But in the very first episode of season one, Omni man just slaughters all of them kills the entire justice league but this season it seems like they're spending most of it just rebuilding the justice league again so they get a new martian they get a new atlantean guy they get a new there's another character that like comes back because apparently he just comes back to life all the time so it's like okay they get a new batman also okay like if you wanted the fake justice league to stick around then you shouldn't have killed them like, I understand that that was a, a made like the major plot point of the first season, but it's kind of cheap to just like kill them off and then bring them all back, you know? Yeah, but they weren't good enough the first time. I don't know. I, they I, needed I, to be purified. It, oh, well, that's very ominous. <laughs> they needed to be purified. Should I have not said that? No, that's fine. <laughs> they need to be corrected. Do you remember that Bob's Burgers where it's like a spoof on The Shining? And he's in the wall and he's like talking to himself or whatever. And when he gets stuck in the wall. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like talking to like the shining character or whatever. And the guy's like, maybe your family needs to be corrected. <laughs> and he's like, corrected, killed. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'm not going to kill him. Um, yeah. Okay. What else did I not like? Uh, Mark's friends are boring his he has a best friend i can't remember his best friend's name because he's just boring and then also amber i've already talked about her she's a freaking dish rag um mark's friends are boring i don't care about them the guardians of the globe the fake justice league well okay sorry the fake justice league gets slaughtered the purified justice League. yeah the purified justice league gets slaughtered they're called the guardians of the globe they're corrected so then the new guardians of the globe are these like sort of they're based on the Teen Titans a little bit. Did you watch that show? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I really liked that show. But but they step up to the plate and they become sort of the new superheroes. Those guys are also boring, and I don't care if any of them die. I'm not saying they do in season two. I'm just saying eventually, because that's the kind of show that this is. Eventually, if any of them die, I won't care because I think they're boring. Um, except for Eve. Subpoint: Eve's dad is totally unreasonable. Sub point two. So Eve has Eve is a girlfriend. No, she's uh, one of the superheroes. Okay. So her powers are like she can. I don't even know what her powers are. She can literally do anything she wants. She can create anything out of nothing. So she got the ultimate wish. 
what would you what superpower would you have if you could pick yeah. any superpower? Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna pick all of them. Yeah, she can literally do anything. She can fly like she'll just conjure gold out of nothing. Midas? She can just or anything that she wants. She builds a park out of nothing. Well, that's not possible. She can do it. Like apparently it puts like some strain on her, I guess, but like her... You can't just create something out of nothing, Brayden. Her her powers are just like ridiculous. But her dad is like super against the fact that she has powers, and apparently they're they're they've fallen on hard times her family, and so she like conjures up some gold for them, and he's like sell it. She she tells him to sell it, and he's like, no, I'm not gonna sell it. I'm gonna work hard for my money. Like, dude, just uh, she just gave you some gold. Like, don't throw it away. Don't be a don't be stupid. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I feel like. There's no one on Earth that would not try to take some advantage of those powers. It's just unreasonable. Anyway, that's sort of a... It's a sub-point. That's why I said sub-point. Mm. Anyway, um, I also think that this season really suffers without J.K. Simmons because he's the voice of Omni-Man. Who is Superman? Yeah, the guy that slaughtered the Purified Justice League. And then he dies? Where is he? No, I told you he decided to f off at the oh, end. Okay, so he okay. he's like beating the crap out of Mark. And then Mark basically convinces him through the power of love and friendship. He convinces him of the error of his ways, and so he just leaves. So I think that this season really suffers without him being in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the dialogue is just really poorly written, like very cringy. Uh, fun facts slash random notes. I got nothing. Micah's brother read this comic, IDK. That's what I wrote. <laughs> what did he say about it? I think, I think he liked it. Your brother had... Oh, don't just name drop him. Okay, your brother redacted. <laughs> um, I think he, I think he liked it. Oh, okay. That's all. Uh, parent guide. It's very violent. Um, very bloody, gory. So, Language? not really. I mean, there's a little bit. Um, nudie tootie? There's no nudie tootie, Judge Judy, but there are adult themes. So, you know, implied stuff. All right, now time for the rating. I, I'm sure I'm going to make people mad with this rating because this is a very popular show. But I'm going to give it. This is, keep in mind also, for part one of season two. So, just the first part of season two. Okay. Wait, what? I'm just giving a rating to part one of season two. Oh. Not the whole show. I was confused. Not season one. Not all of season two. Just part one of season two. Okay. 6.5 Omniblades out of 10. I feel like that's higher than for part one. I would have thought. It was entertaining. It was entertaining enough. But like, yeah, it just was too slow. It only really picked up at the last episode. I thought the last two maybe um, focused way too much on characters and plots that I don't care about. And then by the time the last episode was over, I was like, okay, I'm actually like, yeah, I'm getting into this. And then I looked for the next episode and it wasn't there and I was mad. So 6.5. That's all I got. What are we going to watch? I oh, we should probably finish Shorzy. Yeah. We have been putting that off for quite some time. Right. So should we commit? Hard commit? Yeah, maybe. Well. I'm reading a book about pirates. Ooh. 
It was very rude of you not to. When Micah got home today, I said, well, if you care, I started a new book and she didn't say anything. And then I, I forgot. And then I came back into the room and I said, seems like you don't care that I started a new book. I'm sorry that I didn't acknowledge you. Would you even have asked how fast I could run if I was wearing new shoes? Of course. Yeah, right. I'm not that disrespectful. Right. I'll believe it when I see it. I've been reading The Queen's Gambit, so I'll probably have that one done. Oh, was that a book before it was yeah. a hit television show? Yeah. Okay, well. What's your rating? Of the book? Yeah. <laughs> Brandon, what? I haven't finished it yet. So? Okay, well, we'll see you next week, everybody. All right. This was Review.